Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of NASCAR Radio. This is episode number 82 of NASCAR Radio, where trading cards and racing meet. I'm your pal Val. With me is the man, the myth, the legend, King NASCAR Hall of Famer, PSA Hall of Famer, King NASCAR Logan. How are you? I'm doing good, man. That's awesome. And then Jason should be joining us here at the show already in progress. So we'll see uh, if he's able to make it. So got a great show for everybody today. Talk about some NASCAR news. We're going to talk about Dale Earnhardt, top 10 cards and some honorable mentions. And then I saw a tweet about Brad Kozlowski kind of talking about why he does the stickers. So we'll talk about that and dive. If you believe it, it's been 10 years since. Ignite 2012, uh, 2012. So dang, I can't believe it's been that long. Well, here's another one too. So 1972 STP, that's 50 years old. Oh my God. That's right. This is the 50th anniversary of that. Yeah. With Daytona coming up. Yep. Uh, let's dive into it. Wait, hold on. We have a caller coming in. Caller, you're on the air. You are live. It's not even amazing. The amazing Jason. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm better now. Awesome. We're just going over the um, all the goodies that we're going to talk about today in on show 82. So, uh, so you're right on time. Yeah, perfect. We were talking about Daytona and STP being 50 years old, but uh, NASCAR season is starting this weekend with the Bush Light Clash at the Coliseum. That's at Long Angeles Coliseum at 8 p.m. on Sunday, February the 6th. So I was thinking about that. I was like, that seems kind of late, but, and being on a Sunday, I'm surprised it's not Saturday night, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I'm wondering if they're going to have all the heat races on, you know, whatever, you know, whatever channel they're going to have them on, on Fox, if they're going to have them on FS1 or whatever, and then have the main event later that night. I, I don't know. I'll, I'll be, I hope they have all the heat races. That would really be nice to see. I mean, if they show qualifying, they should show heat races. Yeah. We'll find out. Also, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Panini America, and also all you great listeners are listening to the show. We appreciate you sharing, spending some time with us each and every week. If you hit the like button and share the podcast, we appreciate it. Especially want to give out some shout outs to our new listeners in Germany and Belgium, Austria, Australia, and the United Kingdom. And Texas is bringing the, bringing the listeners big time. So Way to go, Texas, as our biggest listener base. You'd think it'd be North Carolina, South Carolina, or they're uh, neck and neck for uh, second and third. So, yeah, well, maybe it's all our buddies at Panini. Maybe, but we don't want to, you know, discourage the folks in uh, Michigan and Missouri, Nevada, and Oklahoma. So, we appreciate everybody listening to the show. The great folks in Illinois, Pennsylvania, California, New Jersey, New York, Alabama. Virginia, Georgia. So thank you, everybody, for listening to the show. Well, let's start with some uh, some NASCAR news. Well, I've got a little bit of news. You know, you were talking about the clash on Sunday. This could be the first of three consecutive years of having this race at the Coliseum. Uh, NASCAR has 90 days after Sunday's race to state their intentions if they want to continue this next year. So I guess it's really going to depend on the turnout and uh, the response of this race. They're, they're expecting a crowd of like 50 to 60,000 people. 
Um, the Coliseum, I think it holds like 78,000 people. But uh, I think they're going to vacate the lower levels. So just in case, you know, something gets squirrely and somebody gets over the fence or into the fence, they'll, you know, spectators will be safe. But uh, hopefully we'll have a good turnout and uh, that'd be cool if they could have it for three years. Yeah, that'd be pretty neat. I was looking at some of the pictures that I noticed, like uh, there's no catch fence, but it is uh, the track is lower than, you know, the, the stands or whatever. And I think there was some kind of wall there, but yeah, we'll see how it does. I mean, 50, 60,000 people in a new market, that'd be pretty good. Yeah. That, that CD is going to be kind of reminiscent of like muster truck races in Colise in, you know, like in uh, different Coliseums around the country. So I guess that they're going to do the same kind of thing. And I was saying it was starting at 8 PM, but I mean, you know, it was 5 PM there, but I give you plenty of time to, start tailgating so i know back in the days when i was when i was working uh having to be wor work at seven o'clock in the morning on race weekends you'd see them head into the track you know like to the coke 600 it's seven o'clock in the morning race is not till 5 p.m <laughs> it's a long day to party and so anyway yeah. that'll be awesome so can't wait. something else i saw too is uh helio castro nevis he's the four-time indy 500 winner he uh, was a guest on Sirius XM radio with, I think he was with Danielle Trotta and Jeff Burton. Anyway, they were just talking and this was just talk. Keep in mind. He shared that he might be interested in racing in NASCAR and driving in the Daytona 500. So if he was to do that and was actually, you know, somehow able to win, you know, he would join Mario Andretti and AJ Foyt is the only two people to ever win those, both those races. So that's cool. Yeah, I also saw that he won the 24 hours, was it Rolex 24 hours in Daytona last weekend? Yeah, I mean, he's been going strong. I mean, he had, he won the Indy 500 and then and now he's won the, won the Rolex and, you know, who knows? I mean, I don't know if he's going to be in Daytona 500 this year or not because I haven't, you know, I haven't heard any teams say, hey, we're going to run him. But, you know, anything's possible. So, you know, stay tuned. Yeah, that'd be awesome. The more we have crossover between, hey, I'd love to see, um, you know, Lewis Hamilton get into a NASCAR and see how good he does. Well, you know, when I saw that, that was the first thing I thought of is that, my God, if Lewis Hamilton was to come in and drive a stock car, even if it was just for one race, oh, my God, people would just be going absolute bonkers. I mean, just think that would be the, the melding of NASCAR and Formula One. So hopefully that would help help nascar for sure <laughs> that would be interesting so uh speaking of f1 real quick the tops f1 releases in seven days so we will talk about that release next week and deep dive into the sell sheet hopefully the checkles will be out so for all the f1 fans so we'll be covering the races this year on nascar radio so stay tuned for that yeah and I've got one last thing, if nobody else has anything else. Netflix is going to be celebrating Bubba Wallace's career with a new docuseries. And it's going to be released on 2-22-22, a palindrome day, <laughs> which is also a palindrome day today while we're recording. But anyway, they're going to have six episodes, each of them running 45 minutes, and it's going to chronicle the 2021 Cup Series season with the 23XI team. 
And uh, this is uh, this was developed, from what I understand, between a partnership between NASCAR uh, and Denny Hamlin and Michael Jordan. So I think that's going to be pretty cool because I, I, as you all know, I love me some Bubba. Same here. I think any you know those Netflix series and that they were talking about you know like the Netflix series helping F one when you know during that pandemic or whatever. And I just don't. I think some of that will help bring maybe some new fans in to NASCAR. So yeah, Bubba's Bubba's been great. You know, we've been following him what since 2012, 2013. So awesome to see him, you know, doing well and, and start that whole new team up and with Michael Jordan. And so I think it's going to be nice, more exposure for NASCAR. So I think it's good. Yeah. Hopefully they do that well and when i say do i mean advertise that well because when you have you know michael jordan there and how well the last dance did you know this is to a degree it's it's a nascar version of the last dance you know you're doing a six-part thing on somebody's season where some big names are involved in that team and you know it's something at least for me, I'm thinking, man, I've never seen this before. This is pretty big. And for Netflix to step in and say, hey, we're going to give you six or eight episodes or whatever it is, uh, you know, that's a pretty big deal. And that's mainstream for sure. Well, hopefully they'll mention Wendell Scott. And I was going to say, I don't know if we talked about it before, but there was either a, um, it's not 30 for 30. There's another one that's an hour long. Is it 60 something or whatever it's called? But they did one on Bubba Wallace and I, I watched it and they, they had some mention of, um, Wendell Scott, because I'm a big Wendell Scott fan, and um, Bo Wallace. So uh, through the, you know, through that history and stuff, and actually went to the African American Museum of History and and DC, and I was you know trying to find Wendell Scott stuff, and they didn't have anything for him. You know, they had other areas. They have a whole sports area, and nothing in there. So I, you know, was talking to one of the folks that worked there, whatever. I think all they had, and it wasn't even displayed, was the Wendell's, their driving racing suit that Richard Pryor wore in the movie Grease Lightning and nothing else. So it'd, it'd be nice to, to to bring some more recognition to Wendell Scott and all the stuff that he did for the sport. So Totally agree. Yeah, that's, that, that's a little disappointing. That's all they have. Yeah, I don't, it's been a few years since I've been. I don't know if anything's changed or not, but... We can we getting off on a tangent here, but you know, talking to the Scott family at the induction ceremony, you know, they said they were waiting for the call from the um, from the institution, you know, asking for for stuff for him. So they haven't they haven't had not had got it yet. So this has been a few years, but uh, I think the Netflix series will be great and and um, you know telling Bubba's story and hopefully um, some of the other stories too. So yeah, I can't wait. It's gonna be cool. That's all I've got. You want to go into the Brad K? Sure. So we did see, or actually Jason had, had saw it on, I don't know if it was Facebook or Twitter, maybe it was Twitter. Facebook. That one of the folks were had gotten actually a question for Brad and had a response back from Brad. But basically uh, they're saying that most, you know, basically to Brad, that most of his cards are with autos. Uh, he's seen it's all on a sticker placed on the card rather than on card signed. And he's asking, is there any reason for this? Not a dig, just a collector curious. 
So Brad came back, said he feels like I can sign them better, and they have built-in hologram to prove they are real for my fans. So that's nice that uh, you know the, the sticker does does offer that. But and Jason, before he came out, I was like, this is the tenth anniversary of of the 2012 Ignite when there's a kind of little bit of a scandal or press press had to re- make a release about the Brad Keselowski cards in 2012 ignite. And so that was May 7th, 2012 is when they pushed out this release. So I can read it real quick. It says, as many as you know, last week we had the official release of press past newest NASCAR training card released 2012 press pass ignite racing. We are very excited about this new product and hope you will share in our excitement. Once you experience the product. We are aware of rumors which surfaced last week about Brad Keselowski's autographs and this product appearing not to be hand-signed. It appears there was an accident related to the autograph sheets as opposed to traditional autograph cards that were sent to Brad to be signed for Ignite, and unfortunately, they were mistakenly mishandled and signed with an auto pen. Press Pass takes authenticity very seriously, and we want our collectors to know that we would never intentionally put autographs into our products that were not authentic hand-signed signatures. We are confident that this is an isolated incident and that no other autographs from any driver in Ignite or any other our products are affected. Press Pass has also reached out to the drivers and team representatives and reiterated internally that the importance of following the proper procedures to ensure that all autographs are authentic. We are all eager to correct this error as quickly as possible. Press Pass will be sitting down with Brad within the next few weeks to have the autograph sheets re-signed. Press Pass will also begin the process of having new cards printed, and each card will be rebuilt with the authentic autograph and a prime swatch, which is underlined, of race-used fire suit from Brad. In addition, everyone who received one of the Brad Keselowski Ignite Inc. autograph cards and sends it in will also receive a retail box of 2012 Ignite Racing, a $20 value, plus your name will be entered into win a trip for two to an upcoming race to watch Brad race in person. If you have received one of the Brad Keselowski Ignite Inc. autograph cards, please contact us at and they use the press pass email address. We will provide you with instructions for redeeming your card. We thank you for bringing this matter to our attention, and we appreciate your patience as we work to resolve the issue as quickly as possible. Thanks to all of our loyal customers for your continued support. We want to be fully transparent with the situation, so please don't hesitate to contact us if you have any questions. So that's the letter that PressPass sent out. In May of 2012. So I, I like the way they said accident. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably more of a misunderstanding. To my knowledge, since that incident, Brad Keselowski cars have always been sticker. I can't think of any any release from Panini or Press Pass since then that have been on card. Even National Treasures and whatever else are stickers. Yep. Do you think so? I have a couple of questions without trying to go down a rabbit hole here. Yeah, sure. Why, like, in your professional opinion, for both of you, why do you think 
out of all the people that have ever signed press pass, Panini, whatever, why do you think Brad chose to use an auto pin? Because it's not unfamiliar territory for an athlete. And even kids know that as an athlete, you're going to sign autographs. So these guys know, and especially with NASCAR, you know, and you guys have preached how great they are with fans. So why all of a sudden would he decide I'm going to auto pin this and essentially phone it in instead of doing the real deal? See, he signs in person and with no issues. Right. And that's what I'm saying. That's that's where it doesn't correlate to me. Where is the connection lost that he knows what an autograph is? He does it in person. But why for this one particular stack of cards did he decide I'm not going to not going to do it the right way or however you want to say it? I don't know. I think he won the championship in 2012. But again, this is early 2012. So uh, it wasn't after he won the championship. I don't know if, if he started getting more requests and then started, you know, looking for other ways to. Because I think he's always signed that Brad K. If you look at some of his early stuff in 2008, yeah. I think it's always Brad K. So it hasn't like changed it or had it real long and shortened it or went to BK or something. So I, I don't know. I don't know if Logan has any um, thoughts, but. Well, the only thing I can think of is he thinks, you know, he thought his time was more valuable than sitting around signing a bunch of uh, trading cards. And, you know, if he can hand that off to somebody else and they can deal with it and he didn't have to deal with it and he can go test cars or, make a sponsor appearance or whatever, you know, maybe he thought his time was more well served doing it that way. I, I don't, I really don't know. I mean, that's just, I mean, speculation. I guess, you know, obviously that's an option and everything that you guys said is an option, but it's just that thing where to me, this is the easiest way to give an autograph because you're essentially sent a stack of cards and you can sit in one place and sign them comfort of your home nobody bothers you it's the opposite when you're in person it's like you know, all those people grabbing and touching and you know putting this in your face and it's like granted less avoidable because people are finding you and you know we've heard some horror stories of autograph seekers but to me these are the ones it's like yeah i'll do this all day because i can just sit and watch tv and sign them or you know do whatever so that's where i guess i've always been befuddled when all these conspiracies and stuff come out for the auto pins, because it's been in other sports too. And it's just, to me, this is so easy. Now with other guys where it's, you know, their first year or their first attempt at signing cards, I get maybe they don't understand, which is still a little wonky to me, but you know, for NASCAR, especially, I think those guys are signing a ton of autographs to begin with. So that's where it always kind of surprised me to have it in that sport and to have like no other um, incidents since. When you were saying that made me think of since they, after reading the letter, I'm wondering if somebody inside decided to do that and not, you know, Brad knowing about it or something. Because Logan I mean, kind of touched on it. Sure. Yeah. Cause Logan kind of touched on it. It's like, well, you know, if somebody's like, well, I can, um, give Brad a bunch of his time back by signing these sticker sheets with auto pen. And again, up to that point, 
really no one had done that in NASCAR. I don't know. I know auto pens existed and people did it, but you know, this is way before Dak Prescott and some of that other stuff. So I don't know. Well, do you think that having to go back and sign those cards by hand left a bad taste in his mouth? And he said at that point, the heck with it. You know, I'm going to, I'm just going to sign stickers from now on. Y'all can just kiss my grits. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> That's another good point, right? So now he has to make good on that. And that could have rubbed in the wrong way, having to redo that. It doesn't seem like he's apologetic for it. And I'm not you know, blaming him for any part of the situation. But for him to just continuously sign stickers, to me, it doesn't feel like he's making up for anything. Yes, he made up for the one incident. But ever since, it seems like, well, I'm just going to sign stickers and just like you said, you know, kiss my grits and sorry. Well, he can, to your point, though, he can sign a stack of stickers he's done he's not getting uh, a package in in august september you know prism that he's got to sign on card and then he's got to sign cards in december for national treasures you know he's he's kind of he can get the stack done and then he's done for the year as opposed to you know, everybody else that has to sign multiple times through a year right because it's not like they get like a hundred cards they're getting a few thousand cards Right, and then they have to handle all that, and that's they have a, actually a clock probably running where they need to get back before, you know, it turns into a redemption or whatever. So maybe just after this time, he just felt like he can get it done on his time and and be done with it. So I don't know, but well, again, since since that time, everything's been on uh, on sticker. I will give him credit, and I don't know if it's deserved, but. From his statement, let me read this part real quick, where he said, I feel like I can sign them better, obviously, because it's a sheet of stickers, you know, and he can do it a bunch at once, but also that they have the built-in hologram to prove they are real for my fans. Whether or not that's how he truly feels behind that answer, that's something that a lot of people don't bring up. You know, people complain about stickers all day long because they want their card to be touched by the athlete or the driver or whatever. But on the other hand, he's right. Like there is that authenticity and it's not a guarantee. Nothing's hundred percent, but at the same time, that is one thing we never hear about sticker autographs is that, Hey, I know it's from Panini. I know it's that person. We always just hear the complaints of, I don't like that on my card. It's ugly. And it can be, but as far as authenticity goes, that is something we never hear about the positive side of stickers. I definitely agree with that where, you know, signing on the sticker and because Hendrick drivers were doing that. And then Dale, um, junior motorsports drivers, I think had stickers as well, or part of their autograph covered by the sticker to kind of show the authenticity. We don't have a luckily, a, you know, an issue with counterfeit autograph cards and stuff like that. So you know, any kind of thing that they can do to kind of help prove the authenticity is, you know, I think we're all for that. But, yeah, we just wanted to um, remind everybody about the Ignite 2012 and then also uh, that letter from Press Pass. So if you see the 2012 Ignite cards out on eBay, you can kind of look for that prime patch. And I think if you Google it, you get, I think uh, one of the websites had a picture of 
the auto pen. You can definitely tell it's kind of a small, stubby autograph, and then the new ones are bigger and bolder with that prime patch. So, yeah. and again, everybody had the incentive to send them in, right? And we all know how much product gets made and opened, and everybody had the incentive to open, uh, open it, send it in because nobody really wants an auto pen. But do you have an auto pen, Logan, of that one? I don't have I don't have an auto pen of that one that I know of. Um, I'd have to go look, but I don't. I'm pretty sure I do not. I would like to have one actually. <laughs> Me say, too. Hey, I got one. So they they may, may actually be scarce. <laughs> Uh, they probably are. I mean, I mean, if, if somebody's got a bounty on it and they're they're going to give you a, a retail box of cards and they're going to put you in a drawing to go to a race, you know, you know that's kind of tempting. But then on the other hand, you know, you've got this card that's you know it's going to be talked about forever because you know it's this incident's always going to be there. You know, why just not keep the thing? You know, and if I had pulled one, I would have definitely kept it because you know. A twenty dollar retail box is not going to matter to me, and you know how the chances are of winning anything are. It just seems like they're nothing. So I, I would just have kept it anyway, and I bet a lot of people did keep it. And, and I'd like to hear from people that did. And and actually, I would love to see some pictures of some of them that you all did keep on Twitter. I think that'd be be really neat. Yeah, that would be good. You know, tag uh, the three of us, NASCAR Radio. Yeah, we'll see those. Brad Kozlowski, so 2012 Ignites. So let's move over or move on to the next subject. The Dale Earnhardt Sr. Top 10 and honorable mentions. What can we say about the man in black, the Intimidator? Well, he's he's one of the goats of NASCAR, without a doubt. He's on the uh, Mount Rushmore of NASCAR, for sure, or him Richard Petty, Jimmy, and and Jeffy Pooh. Seven-time champion. Did it multiple, um, large span of time. You know, Jimmy had those five in a row, and and Richard ran for a very long time. But if I remember right, Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s first race was like in 75. It was his first championship in 80, I think it was? Yeah, 79. Yeah, he was rookie of the year in 79, and he, he won his first championship that next year with, I think, uh, Rod Osterlin team. But yeah, so he won in 1980, 86, 87, 90, 91, 93, 94. And I guess you can say Jeff came along. <laughs> yeah, it, it kind of messed things up for him. <laughs> but he had 76 wins total and then his uh, passing in 2001. Yeah, and you know, Kyle Bush has got 59 wins. So for him to even get up to Earnhardt, he's got to win, you know, 17 more races. I don't, I don't know if Kyle Bush has got that in him, but I'm not trying to sidetrack this or anything. I'm just, just trying to give you an idea on how far up the, the win list he is. Yeah. Like I said, when you start looking at trying to put those kind of numbers up, it's, it's tough. And he had multiple crew chiefs as well. So, you know, that was one thing. Uh, Richard Petty had, for the most part, one crew chief, right? And then Jimmy Johnson had Chad Knauss his whole time. But Downer Sr. had a few, right? Yeah, he had uh, Kurt Schelmerdine and Andy Petrie and Larry Mack. You know, he had several different crew chiefs. 
So I, I think that's a big deal. I don't. I think that kind of gets overlooked because you think about you know a team and and hitting on all cylinders and trying to beat all the other teams. So you have you know personalities, whatever to to get that and and be and still be the best, right? Yeah, that you know that shows a side of him when you think about it that he could get along apparently with with a lot of different people and be successful at doing that. Whereas, you know, you see what happened when Jeff Gordon and Ray Everham, you know, parted ways. You know, Jeff wasn't nearly as good as he was with Everham. You know, he won one more championship, but still, I mean, he wasn't, he just wasn't the same. And, and Everham as well, just, I mean, he was successful, but he wasn't as successful as he was with Jeff. So those two together were powerful. But Earnhardt, on the other hand, he... He just went out there and drove hard and, you know, used the, used the chrome horn and got people out of his way and won races. You know, he didn't, he just, that's just, that was his style. Yeah. I want to say somebody said, you know, that they would be beating and banging and everything and they would be so mad at him. And then after the race, you know, it, it just, it was Dale's personality. Just, you know, you couldn't hate him at whatever. It just, uh, you know, got along. So. Yeah. I've heard a lot of stories like that, you know, and, and he, 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 he'll do things for people, you know, give them money or help people out doing something, but he just tells them, Hey, just keep it under the radar. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't want it to get out that I'm a really, really good guy. I want to, I want to wear the black hat. Yeah. And then I don't think people realize his business sense as well. Right. Cause I think he was one of the first, I know first drivers to copyright his name right so in the early 90s you know and late 80s that you know nascar collectibles were taken off and copywriting and trying to protect the brand and you know be able to make some money off of that image and that kind of stuff and get rid of the bootlegs so i mean i think he was ahead of his time on that and you know he also had uh, copyright or whatever it was down her junior's name as well. So, you know, so he had a great business sense and he knew, and if you watch some of those documentaries and stuff like that with Jeff, that, you know, with Jeff Gordon coming along and with him, they were playing that in the media where it was, you know, one or the other and one was Coke, one was Pepsi. And, and they were using it to just bring the, bring the sport to another level, I guess you would say, right. Cause everybody knows who, Jeff Gordon is and Dale Earnhardt Sr. Yeah, they back then, you know, they 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 were partnered up uh, on a lot of business ventures, you know, that pertained to NASCAR. So, you know, it 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 was beneficial to both of them to to play up the rivalry to sell more, you know, souvenirs, cards, you know, whatever. And, you know, it, it worked out well for them. Yeah, there was a, a show that I guess Jeff Gordon was on and basically, you know, at the time, I guess he didn't understand it, but looking back, he does, you know, understand what was going on and, and, or the impact that they helped propel each other. Yeah. When you think about it, I mean, they only really got to race each other for what was it like eight seasons? I mean, it wasn't very long. Again, going back to what you said about the copyrights and trademarks, I'm pretty sure he was the first athlete. I don't want to say he's the first person, 
but I want to say he was the first athlete to trademark his signature too. Because I remember seeing like stickers on people's cars and it's like Dale Earnhardt senior signature. Like, like People still don't do that. And I mean, if you think about certain signatures like Jeter, or Griffey or Jordan, Dale Earnhardt, like I feel like he is one of those ones that comes to mind. That's very notable, but I think it's notable because people have seen it so many times where in other sports, we see it in a lot more cards, but for him, we saw it on, stickers and cups and you know whatever else he he had made yeah i think so and again i think you know like why he's not in the 88 max set right that was because of the licensing deal and, and copyright stuff so yeah i think he was and if i said he was the first one i you know i meant the the first athlete that i know of and some of the stuff that i've seen where you know they were going after the bootlegs and stuff like that and you know, I'm sure his hauler was pretty busy all those years with all the Dale Earnhardt memorabilia so and souvenirs. Yeah, it was. I mean, when we would go to Talladega or any of the other races, Bristol or Atlanta or wherever, and his trailers were always doing a super business. You know, and I'll have to admit, back in the day, I was a Bill Elliott fan. I was not a Dale Earnhardt <laughs> senior fan at all. And uh Every time he beat Bill, you know, he would just infuriate me more. And, and you know, he would – one thing about Earnhardt, though, he w- he didn't talk a lot of smack about other drivers. I mean, you know, I know Rusty Wallace would, and that's part of the reason that Rusty Wallace infuriated the heck out of me back in the day. But, you know, he was, he, he was just a hard-nosed driver. And, you know, you know, kudos to him for winning all those races back then. You know, like I said, I wasn't a fan. It took me – it took me a while to kind of, you know, soften up to him. And then, of course, when he passed away, you know, it was already too late for me. I, you know, I, like I said, I was I was becoming a fan, but I wasn't a total fan. But, you know, now these days, you know, I miss him just like everybody else does. And I sure I wish he was still here. Yeah, I wasn't, a, you know, I was kind of started getting into NASCAR and wasn't a big fan. But, you know, could definitely appreciate what he, what he did for the sport, what he did in the sport. And, you know, listen to the stories now and stuff. Yeah. So he has about 4,400 cards. And it was hard to pick the top 10. And we have some honorable mentions. But, you know, one thing we should talk about real quick, though, is that he doesn't have any new cards. And because of copyright and and licensing and other stuff, uh, he hasn't had any cards in Panini. And really, not too many cards. I guess whenever that license expired with Press Pass, that was it. it was not renewed. Uh, I don't remember exactly which which series it was, but there was I don't know something for the NASCAR Hall of Fame, and and it was like maybe recapping or whatever. And one was missing. And it was you know you could tell it was Dale Earnhardt Sr. that should have probably been in there, but he wasn't. So, can you briefly uh, explain the issue? Because I kind of know it vaguely, but I would love to hear a better explanation. So what I think with anything else is the card companies need permissions to print the likeness, the name, you know, with everything. And that they have, they're not able to get that permission that the paperwork's at 
her attorney, her being Teresa Earnhardt, and you know, I think it sits on the desk, and and so they're kind of handcuffed. They can't do the they being Panini or whatever company to produce cards. So I, I think well, I thought maybe a possibility that it would that there was a the block had been broken with the Funko, but but not on cards yet. It just seems like there's such a grudge with cards and you know i'm gonna play the kid aspect here it's like it's such a safe thing to where you know it's not like a cigarette brand is trying to get him or anything like that and it's been so many years and it seems like this should be such a non-issue because it's just trading cards it's not like a big global brand that everybody knows like pepsi or coke you know we're talking panini where it's a a niche for collectors it's not something that every grocery store in america so it just has always seemed so trivial um for it not to be happening yeah i don't know i'd love to see the see cards but well you know we've talked to to tim and dj and everybody else from panini and it's like what you said while ago val it's not like they haven't tried and and they told us just what you said they've got the paperwork is at teresa earnhardt's attorney she just doesn't for whatever reason and i think jason used the best word you could use there's some kind of grudge there that we don't know about that she just will not let that happen and I, in my opinion you know she's doing a big disservice to his fans you know, there's a lot of fans that would love to have trading cards of Dale Earnhardt Sr. right now. I would love to have trading cards of Dale Earnhardt Sr. right now. And it's just not going to happen. And it's been since the end of Press Pass in 2014, you know, that we haven't, or 2015, yeah, 2015, that we haven't seen anything on Earnhardt on a card. And, man, I tell you, that my NASCAR collecting world would be complete if they could get Dale Earnhardt back on cards, you know, imagine, just imagine this, you know, this year in 2021 national treasures, you know, they've got the cut legend autos and all of those autos have come off that lithograph from, from the 50th anniversary. So, you know, they've got Dale Earnhardt's signature right there. They can make cards with autographs. And can you imagine how crazy kind of money there would be for those cards? Oh my gosh, it would be incredible to see that. So I I just I don't know what her 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 grudge is with with trading card companies, but I sure wish that, you know, she would you know, sign that and let them make cards. So while you were talking about I was trying to figure out the last time there were cards and it was 2015 Press Pass press Cup pass. Chase. There's a tribute set mm -hmm. that and so there were special inserts uh in 2019 alan and ginter cut signature but it was a 101 and then yeah i wonder if there was any legal action over that <laughs> yeah so 2017 18 leaf pearl there was a cut signature one of one yeah. i wonder if she's given permission to do one one of ones but I would imagine those don't have any sort of pictures on them, which I'm sure helps their case 
but like you guys said earlier, going back to, you know, Earnhardt being what he is to sport and to sports in general, the business side, his name's still trademarked, but with them only having a one-on-one, I'm sure that was like a test of like, let's dip our toes in the water, see if we can get away with it. Because with a cut, typically there's no picture, or if there is one, it's very small. I was looking, there's a torque with Earnhardt and Petty, but it's memorabilia. I don't remember that. So there, there's not a lot to, to Logan's point. And I would, I think the whole community would love to see some cards. So hopefully maybe that can happen in the future, but going, you know, back using that sample of 4,426 cards, we were trying to whittle it down to a top 10. How do you guys want to break it up or announce? Uh, I can start with the bottom three and then Jason can do three and you can do the last four, Val. Do you want to do it that way? That's fine with me. All right. Well, this is the list that we came up with. This is our top 10 Dale Earnhardt trading cards. Number 10, 1991 Dodge IROC Dale Earnhardt. That is a unnumbered card. It's an oversized card. It's a black and white card on the front with a checkered flag border around it. And it's a really, really nice card. Uh, the backs of them have a full color picture of IROC cars, which is kind of weird to me that, you know, on the back it's full color, but on the front it's black and white. But I remember when these cards came out, they were highly desirable. And I remember it seemed like those, uh, uh, pack, they were wrapped in a cello pack, just like 88 Max. And those things were like for $1,000 or something really crazy for back. 30 years ago for a set of those cards. And I remember having two of them. And I think I may have told this before, but this, I actually traded one of those for the Dale Earnhardt, Richard Petty, 92 tracks auto that I have now. So that was a good deal for me. It turned out in the long run, but it's a really beautiful card. Uh, I, I highly, you know, they're out there on eBay, you know, go out there and check them out. They're really nice cards. Um, so number nine, wait, I was going to say, um, I, I know we've talked about that 1991 Dodge IROC set. So you have to check the archives. Uh, we did a show on that. So, all right. Number nine. All right. Number nine is the 1989 Max Crisco card. Number six. It looks pretty much the same as the regular base 89 Max, except the picture is different. And it's got the little uh, Crisco logo. I think it's up on the upper left side. And it says, you know, Crisco edition. But they gave those cards out when you bought a Crisco product back in the day. They had these st stand-up displays with hundreds of packs of cards in them. And, you know, you were, I think you were kind of on the honor system, you know. But, you know, of course, back in the day, I don't think any of us were. <laughs> collected raising were in the honor system and uh anyway a lot of people think this card is his rookie card i mean or you know think it's you know the same as his regular 89 max issue but it's not you know this is you know a special promotional set 
And again, it's it's not his rookie card. It's not the same as his 89, regular 89 Max card. But it's still a nice card. You know, it's got the orange border, the green back. It's it's still the same card, you know, kind of. But it, it is different. It is, it is a special card. So you got anything to say about that, Val? Jason? I do. So go, go I was it. quickly looking. Uh, show 61. We talked about the IROC set and show 48 is we talked about the Crisco set. Cool. So you can write that down and then everybody can uh, check out those shows in the archive if you want to find out more about those sets. Number eight. Number eight. Also, is 1989 Max, number three card. It's his regular standard issued card from that year. If Beckett considers this card to be his rookie card. However, we here at NASCAR Radio do not think that his is that is his rookie card. But it 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 from a from a standard nationally distributed product, which you know, this was the second year of that. This, if you look at it that way. This would be, you know, you could, you could consider that his rookie card, because again, we'll get and we'll touch on this here in a few minutes. The '88 Max, you know, again was, you know, not his rookie card. You know, it was, it was a special. Well, really, wasn't a special card. They printed him up ahead of time, and thinking they were going to sign him, and they didn't sign him in time for the release of the set. So that card never really made it out. So. 89 was his first nationally distributed issue. But it's a cool card. I love it. It's a great card. It's it's the same pose as they used on 88. And again, it's the orange border with the green backs. You got to watch out with those cards because the 89s do a lot of chipping on the back when they cut them. And we've talked about this before that we've noticed that like on the, the boxed sets that come in the regular boxes, those cards, I don't know if they had a different print run or they used different ink or they used a different, you know, blade to cut them or whatever they did. Those things have a tendency to chip more. The ones that are in the toolbox set are the best ones if you're looking to get any of those cards graded or to get a good example of that card. You know, I would I would highly recommend buying the toolbox set. So that's my two cents. I'll throw two more in there. Two cents. Yeah, the toolbox set is the way to go. Also, show 48. <laughs> All right, so number seven for Dale Sr. We have the 2000 Upper Deck SP Sign of the Times. It's just one of those cards. It's it's back when Upper Deck used to <laughs> take, take pride in their designs, I think, a little bit more than we do today because we have so many autographs going out the door. White card, vertical card, um, signed on card, and there's a huge white space for him to sign. And you know his his big signature fits in there greatly. Um, there's currently one on eBay for the you know price of a cup of coffee, nine hundred and seventy five dollars. Um, to give you a little bit of a comparison, there is a Dale Jarrett on there as well for $35. So you're talking, you know, 30 times. So the Dale Ju or the Dale Jr. Yeah. The Dale Senior card is definitely um 
one for the the higher end collector but you know i think it would it's perfect i mean it's a perfect autograph card i think for dale senior yeah he's got that beautiful like you said autograph on there with that white background yeah i think that's a classic yeah that card pops i mean and you can tell that he just didn't sit down there and do an i give up autograph and just do a kind of scribble i mean he took his time and actually did a really great job with those cards. That's why I love those so much because there's no streaking for the most part. And it looks like he used good Sharpies when he signed them. And the card design itself is so simplistic that it makes it beautiful. Not to sidetrack, but could you imagine Dale Sr. and Richard Petty trying to fit their autographs onto a sticker to put on <laughs> cards like these? Like it, They would probably just walk away. So that was number seven. Number six is the 96 Press Pass Burning Rubber. Um, limited to 500, definitely more affordable than number seven is. Um, roughly about $30, $35 on eBay. Um, the one thing I don't like about this card, but I understand, is because it's a burning rubber relic, it is tire I don't know what you want to call it, powder, or you guys can help me out on that one, but it's a picture of the car. There's no profile picture of senior or anything like that. It is solely the car. Um, I will say that it's centered well on the card. The, the photo is centered well, like it has that nice good wrench logo, um, but that's a little bit of a turnoff to me, and I think the price kind of agrees with me on that. Um, but it's an interesting card because it sticks off of the card just a little bit. It's a raised relic. But what would you call that substance? I think it is actual tire. That's I the first year. Too. Well, no, no. Um, I'm saying it's not like a, would it be powder? Like pressed powder? Or is I it like a cut? It was surfing? actually a piece of cut. Okay. I have a 97 burning rubber and it's actually like a rubber ring that is on the card so i'm okay. assuming the 96 i don't have one of those I've been no they for are there you, you guys are you're, you're correct val it is a piece of, of real rubber because so, there are other years where it's like a smeared on raised texture correct yeah that's the skid marks <laughs> you walked right into that jason yeah i was yeah, gonna say yeah, yeah. I, I know we're going for a consecutive uh skid marks here <laughs> skid marks each and every week so but another thing about that card is too is that's his first memorabilia card because that was also the first memorabilia set you know produced by press pass and for something like that, granted, I think when a company goes out of business, it hurts value. But for something like that, $30, $35 bucks is, is very affordable, um, especially with him having nothing since 2014 or 15, whatever it was. Uh, your options are limited. So that price range, that, that's a, a great pickup, I think. Okay, moving on. Number five, um, the 1982 Kidco Tough Wheels laser print, number seven, Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty drafting to win. Now, you guys will have to fill me in. This is an unfamiliar card on this list to me. So this is the 
a set we covered on episode number 50. This is from the the matchbox or the little metal cars that, and there are two uh, smaller cards that came in the blister pack. There are two NASCAR cars in there. I think it's a 30 card set that there's the Dan Earnhardt drafting a win with Richard Petty. And then Richard Petty has his own card as well. And so, like I said, these are found in the blister packs and then, you know, having to try to survive since 1982 when the kids opening those packs for those cards, sorry, when the kids were opening those packs for the cars, they probably didn't care much about the cards. There's not a lot of them around. And kind of the earliest Dale Earnhardt, even though it's not a picture of him, it's the cars. Some of the earliest uh, trading cards with him or the car on it. Yeah, this would be his first card as far as anything pertaining to either his likeness or his car. Uh, and also just, I'm not trying to correct you, Val, but it's, it's a 24 card set. Thank you. Just, just so you know, but this was again, it's like what Val said, the cards came two per pack in a uh, blister blister pack. And you can still find those on eBay. But the thing is it's, it's a crap shoot because you could get any one of those cards and, you know, depending on how the people take the photograph for the car that they're selling on eBay, you may or may not be able to see the card itself. But uh, it's a cool card. It's yellow border. They're small. They're kind of a little bit bigger than the Sugar Daddy cars. If anybody's familiar with the Sugar Daddy cars that came in the Sugar Daddy suckers back in the 70s. But like I said, they're small and they use that laser print technology back then. Uh, which I don't really know what that meant, but it sounded cool. It was high tech. Yeah, it was high tech for the time. I do remember talking about it now that you guys have refreshed me a little bit. I do remember and thinking about it and thinking about who's on this card and how rare it is. Have you ever seen one that was signed by both guys? Because I would imagine if you could, it would be a grail mm -hmm. card for this sport. Oh my God, yeah. that, that would be something. Yeah, I don't think it, they're hard to find hard to find let alone find time. yeah uh, again about trying to survive all that time and you know as things get found or I, I was able to pick up a case of i think there was a there's a case they were came in trucks or they came in cars i'd gotten a case of the trucks and you know trying to put a set together so yeah it would be i guess epic if there was a version of those signed yeah or either one i mean just having them signed oh my gosh you're right that that could possibly that has the potential of being a grail card so <clears throat> i have to try to send one to, or next time i see richard petty try to get one of those signed that's a great idea val i'll have to put that down <laughs> write that down <laughs> i think i i think a, a through the mail thing is uh, in my future there you go uh you want to pick up number four I can. Um, number four, 1992 tracks. Tracks autographs number A1, Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty autographs. This is probably one of the glamour cards of NASCAR. It was issued in packs back in 1992. And, and you all have heard the story from me before. Uh, you know, I remember opening up box and got Jeff Gordon and went, ah, crap, I really wish I had gotten Dale Earnhardt and Richard Petty. But still, 
uh, it's it like I said, it's a glamour card. It's a beautiful card. You know, it's got their pictures on it. They, they both signed it. Um, you know, what what can you say about this card except it's it's an absolutely fantastic card. I mean, you still find them on eBay, but then here's the thing about this card too. You also find, and we've talked about it again. Uh, you can also find, you know, forgeries and fake autographs too. So you have to do your homework on these cards and, you know, you know, we're, we're here to help, you know, if you want to shoot us a, a text, email, you know, whatever, you know, we'll, we'll be glad to answer any questions you guys have on these cards. But yeah, this is this card number uh, four in our list of the 92 tracks is, is a really, really nice card. And if you can, you know, find one at a good price and, Drop some coin on it. I highly recommend it. Yeah, they have two seven-time champions autographed, and again, early, you know, in the in the releases of NASCAR cards in 1992, that's probably major epic uh, back in '92. So, and still, pretty awesome card. So, number three, the 1986 Sports Star Photographics. Racing uh, with no number on it. Dale Earnhardt. It's a short print. And we're classifying this as number three. And there's two versions of that. There's a version without the Sports Star Photographics address on the back. And then there's another version with the address on the back. So both of them are equally tough to find because of the short print. And those were either given away as incentives from sports star photographics because they produced a placemat and that was kind of they produced placemats for numerous years and then uh had these cards and then also heard that they had three cards in a baggie at the tracks for sale yeah i never saw those cards at at the track ever i mean those are uh, the same things i've heard val you know, and of course, I you know I was going to races back then and never saw them at the haulers. You know, of course, I did see the placemats, and I bought. I've got a whole bunch of placemats. In fact, behind me, if you could see me, I, there's a Bill Elliott placemat on my wall right behind me. But I never saw the cards. I mean, if I had seen those, I, I would have definitely got them. But because I was still, you know, I was I've always been collecting cards, but I was of course, you know, collecting NASCAR at that point. But you know, it's just one of those crazy things, but it's like what you said, this is a, this is a short print and you got to watch out. These cards sometimes are not centered exactly right. And you know, they are a little bit bigger than your normal two and a half by three and a half trading card. So trying to cram one of these things into to a top loader is not recommended. Yes. Do not do that. <laughs> <laughs> number two, 1988 max number 99 Dale and Hart. And this was the promo. This was the card that they were going to release, but didn't get permission and had to shelve them. They, they being Max, did not destroy them. Uh, they put, put them in their warehouse. So these cards were released a few other times. Um, so we're kind of lumping them somewhat together. There's a version that was released in 94 from Meda- Max Medallion number 999 and then there's a 97 version that's autographed number two 100 but you know it's iconic it's you know just that image and the red and the black and it's just uh, a great card of the intimidator 
Yeah, definitely a glamour card for sure for NASCAR. Um, I remember in 1994 when they had the uh, redemption cards in the medallion product, and I bought, and that medallion product was expensive. And of course, I didn't have a whole lot of money back then. And I remember, you know, buying three boxes, you know, out of this fresh case, hoping I could hit that redemption card. But I never had any such luck. Uh, and you know, of course, and I didn't even really know that card existed until then. And I'm sure most collectors didn't know that either. Yeah, right. So you try to look at the, the timeline. He's in the 88 Max, that card number 87. That's really a team photo. He's supposed to have the 88 card. Max didn't release it. A few got out, and they were, were they would go and change hands in the meshes boards and stuff like that, and they were very expensive. 94 comes around. Max works out a deal with Dale Earnhardt to release the 1,000 that are official, so... Those technically are the official. Then in 97, they did the 100 that are autographed. It wasn't until Max bank went bankruptcy and had the bankruptcy sale that these unauthorized versions had gotten out. So we're talking late 90s, early 2000s, I think we saw a bunch. So they've kind of come out and you know a lot of folks don't, you know, they just assume it, it was released in in '88. So, yeah, and if you've got one of these cards raw, I highly recommend getting it graded. It, it is going to enhance the value if you're concerned about that of that card. Plus, it's going to protect it because it it is a tough card. Yeah, there are some, let's say, counterfeits of those, but Canapolis is spelt wrong on the back. That's kind of the <laughs> easiest uh, takeaway on that. Yeah, it's like Canapolis or something. It's really weird. Yeah. And then number one is the 1983 Uno Racing number 27. So we talk about the 1983 Uno set and show 31, but that was a small 30-card set that was produced that we think for Uno was not a track giveaway or anything like that. Limited supply... And they, we tell more about the, the story of the 83 on the episode, but basically nobody really knew about it until about 90, 91, when the person who produced them, David Chobat, approached one of the price guides and showed them. And he also uh, sold them in a, in an ad in a few uh, issues of that. So, But that's a great set. That's got Dale and Hurt, first cards of Daryl Waltrip, Bobby Allison's also in there, as well as numerous Tim Richmond's, Buddy Baker, Cal Petty, Cal Petty, and of course the King Richard Petty's in there as well. Yeah, and you know, what we were talking about earlier on this is, you know, this is what we consider to be his rookie card, and it's a very tough card. You're not going to find very many of these on eBay, and when you do, uh, they're going to go for a a really you know pretty penny. Because I think one recently sold, didn't it, Val? You remember that? Uh, 8300. Yeah, I think it was a nine for 1300. Yeah, something like that. I know we're we're past the hour mark. If we got a few we want to mention as uh, honorable mentions. Yeah, I've got one that I like. Um, and it's not going to be a high dollar card, but it's the 1990 Max Holly Farms HF1 Dale Earnhardt. It's it looks just like the 
pretty much like the 1990 Max. Um, of course, it's got the little Holly Farm logo on it and all that. But it's it's a it's a nice little car. They're they're pretty plentiful, and I think Jason is actually chasing that set autographed. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, I like it because it's 30 cards. It's not you know not too difficult. There's you know a couple deceased people in there. You know, one being who we just talked about, Dale Senior. So that'll be the tough one, but uh, it's attainable. So I started it and. I have two so far, uh, Benny Parsons and Harry Gant. Um, so it works well. It's a it's a nice starter TTM set. So you got one, Val? Yeah, this one is kind of I was like off the beaten path, whatever. But the 1995 Max Crown Chrome SS1 Silver Select. Now Dale and Hart Senior is not necessarily shown in this, but it's the civil car that he ran at the all-star race and that kind of changed the game for advertising i remember everybody was chasing that die cast and after this drivers were having a special paint scheme for the all-star race and so this card is limited to 750 and again it was that crown chrome which was kind of their high-end chrome product so this is a short print in the chrome yeah, that's Look, a you have one of those? I've got one somewhere. I swear to God, I don't know where it's <laughs> You should see this place. It's terrible now. <laughs> but did you say what did you say about it? It was nice looking. It is a very nice looking card. Yeah, so I've been trying to chase that one. That's one I do not have yet. All right. Um, another card that I like, and it's I do have this card, is the 1998 Upper Deck Road to the Cup 50th anniversary autograph card. It's number AN49. And from what I remember on those cards is you, know, you got a redemption card and you would send it in and they would send you these cards back. And you don't see hardly any of these cards out there on the market these days. I mean, much less Dale Earnhardt. You know, I was lucky enough to find this one at the, the National back in Chicago last year. But that was the first one of those I had seen in years and years and years. So they're pretty hard to find. So if you can find one of those at a good price, you know, and, and I'm going to say good price is probably, you know, 700 to a thousand dollars. They're not, you're not going to get them cheap, but they are, they are limited and they're, they're, they're very beautiful. The card is like a red foil on the front with a picture of him with his autograph. It's just an absolutely beautiful card. One that I was thinking about was the 1984 press pass Optima XL. It's card number 43, and it's actually, uh, we'll say, a variation or a corrected card. So the the original card was Dale and Teresa Earnhardt on the card. They ended up removing Dale, and then it was a more of a close-up picture of Teresa. So they can be found on the $20, $30 range. If you have some patience, uh, there's some folks I think I have them out there for, I don't know, it was $200. But uh, I believe there's a a red hot version as well for it. But the one picture's got Dale Hurt and he's got his arms around Teresa. So it's probably not the image you used to see in Dale Sr. So Yeah, he was actually being sweet. <laughs> <laughs> so I've actually uh, was able to find a few of these. 
Okay, I'm going to do one more, and it's only because it's a really hard card to find. The 1985 big league card of Dale Earnhardt is actually the we. It's got a weird number. It's number 36A298. I don't know where that came from, but yeah, I think they. If I remember correctly, that card has a one of the car. Maybe is it, is it dollar rental car on it or something that they gave away at the rentals. I think gave away at the the you know rental desks for the cars. You just don't see those cards at all. They're hard to find, but they're really nice. It's it's got that big league. You know, and you, you guys have seen those cars before you know, that were made by Big League back then. They're kind of generic, you know, because they had them for all the different sports. But, you know, they did have some for Dale Earnhardt, which, you know, have, like I said, they're rare. But it's it's really a nice looking card. It's a standard size card. And uh, it's like I said, it's just too, it's just hard to find. So if you find one, I, I'd definitely pick it up. I've got one more. And actually... Logan, you put it on the list, and it's actually on one of mine, too. I'm actually trying to find one of these. It's a 1998 Maximum Field General, and I believe it's a three-star general, and it's autographed to 100. I think the four-star is a 101. Uh, there's a one-star, two-star, three, and four-star general. The first is just a regular card. I think the second two-star general is die cut and then the third is die cut and autograph to 100 because so i'm trying to make that maximum field generals three star so i'm, I'm missing a few and dale Earnhardt is one of them so, so it's a tough one to find like you said about that fifth anniversary you don't see them i think i've seen only one or two here in the in the last i don't know five five years or whatever so they're kind of tough they get into people's collections and uh nobody lets go of them that's exactly what I was just getting ready to say. Once they get into a collection, people don't want to let go of them. Yeah, why would you want to get rid of a Dale Earnhardt Senior Auto? They're, like I said, a work of art, too. So, And then I'm just going to go over a quick uh, couple of these other ones we had on the list here to, and move on. The 1993 Action Pack 24 Karat Gold, uh, number 18G. And then the 1992 Pro Set, no number, Dale Earnhardt Hologram, black and white. Yeah, I like those holograms. I tried, like, like crazy to get one of those back then and uh i was never able to get one of those i ended up of course i ended up years later buying one but yeah those are really neat they have a black some of them have white borders some of them have black borders i think the black border looks the best and then also uh, the 1991 tough stuff junior number 26 yeah that's the ones they gave away in the tough stuff junior magazine so condition on those things could be tough <laughs> no pun intended <laughs> And we'll hit some eBay auctions and we'll wrap this up. Again, we appreciate everybody listening so far to the show. Yeah, I know this one's running long. We we try to, believe it or not, we do try to keep these things an hour or maybe a little over an hour, and they always seem to go <laughs> go long. So we appreciate you guys hanging with us. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do a couple of, of uh, eBay auctions real quick. Uh, one of them I saw, this was on the 31st. 2020 Topps Chrome Max Verstappen Sapphire Gold out of 50. PSA 9. It was a buy it now price of drum roll $10,000. Somebody went click and bought it wow. for 10, 10 grand. Where y'all people get, getting this money from? That was a nine. <laughs> that was a nine. <laughs> My gosh. That is unbelievable. The ultimate rainbow. Yeah, no doubt. 
Um, another thing I saw that I thought was pretty neat on the 30th, 2020 Prism score lot of Ty freaking Gibbs. There was 11 autos in this thing and one gold base card. The, the person on it that was selling it had a starting price or a buy now price of $5,999. It did not go for that, okay? It ended up going for $1,000, which is still a lot. That's I averaged that out. That's $83 a card. Wow. For Ty freaking Gibbs. So, Well, we'll see if he continues what he started last season. We'll see. I, I have no doubt he's going to have the right equipment. He will be the same or better. What's that year. song? His future's so bright, he's got to wear his shades. Absolutely. So I thought that was neat. It had uh, There was like two different gold autos out of 10, uh, a silver auto, some mosaic autos, three of them, a green scope auto, a red, a red and blue auto, a blue auto, a rainbow auto out of 24. Then out of score, it had the purple auto out of 25 and the, the non-auto gold base out of 10. So that's a pretty great lot of cards. Somebody picked up a lot of cards. I, I hope they made some money off of it. But you know that that starting price of $59.99, just, that's just throwing something on the wall and seeing if it sticks. My gosh. So uh, after that, um, something else I saw too, uh, 2021 National Treasures Chris Busher fire suit booklet one of one. It had the muster energy patch on it, which really looked nice. It went for 153.50. I thought that was a that was decent for that card. Um, something else that Val and I saw, and this ended on the 28th. And this goes back to you know holy grail stuff. 1972 STP card lot. And how many cards was that, Val? Was it like I think he said that it was missing three. Yeah, there was uh there's seven, seven. It went it went for a buy it now price. Somebody did went did the little click and bought it for five thousand five hundred dollars. The Richard Petty is in a PSA slab and it is an authentic autograph. Uh, it had Charging Charlie Glotz back in it. It had Dave Marcus, Buddy Baker, Elmo Langley. Um, let's see who else did it have in it? it? Had James Hilton and I think Dick Brooks were the cards. So it didn't have any of the Fred Lorenzen cards or Bobby Allison, which are always the really tough cards, which are the ones I'm still missing as well. So I thought that was pretty amazing. Uh, really, I think in the grand scheme of things, I think somebody whoever bought that probably paid what they're probably worth right now. Uh, and maybe speculating that they're going to go up, which I think they will, because there's just not any of those cards out there, right, Val? Yeah, they're they're tough, right? We broke down some of the numbers, I guess it was a few episodes ago. So, uh, and again, we you know they're 50 years old. So, <laughs> I didn't even think about that till you said that tonight. Yeah, I, time flies, right? So it does. It didn't seem oh. like they were that that long ago, but basically, you know, they're missing. I think it was Benny Parsons, Bobby Allison, and Fred Lorenzen. Yeah, and I actually had contacted the seller to to kind of say, "Hey, uh, we saw it closed. Did it sell? And it was you know paid for." So he confirmed both, and uh, so Ray was really nice, and uh, he said he was looking to uh, 
maybe try to find a Andre the Giant signed rookie card. So, but he was uh, he was uh, been trying to find those three cards for the STP set, and I guess had given up. So, I'm not giving up. <laughs> no, me either. <laughs> I'm just going to end up paying through the nose. That's all. <laughs> uh, while we're talking about Ty Gibbs again. On the 29th, there was a 2020 Prism Ty Gibbs autograph gold vinyl, which we all know those are the one-on-ones. It had a asking price or a buy-it-now price of $2,499. Well, it ended up going for a best offer accepted price of $1,546 wow. for Ty freaking Gibbs. Wow. So gold vinyl one-on-one. Yeah. Maybe some of that F1 money is coming in. <laughs> well, there seems to be plenty of it. Wow. <laughs> that's impressive. That is impressive for a Ty Gibbs one of one. Of course, that's going to be his rookie card, though, too. So, you know, keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. uh, also, I saw on the 31st, and, you know, we were talking about the 92 tracks autograph set a while ago. There was a complete set of ca all cards signed, including, the, of course, the Earnhardt and Richard Petty. For $525, buy it now. I actually think that wasn't bad. I mean, you're going to pay, just for the Earnhardt and Petty, you're going to pay, you know, $300, maybe $400 for that, that one card alone. And you're going to get, you know, Jeff Gordon and all the other, you know, cards in there as well. So, you know, that's probably not a bad price for that. No, I was thinking the same thing. That didn't seem like too bad. No, no. I, I could see why somebody would buy it now. I mean... If I needed that, that those cards and that set, you know, and had the money, you know, that'd be an easy click for me, I think. Yeah. I mean, if the Earnhardt Petty looked good, then yeah. Yeah. It looked good. I mean, I looked at it. It looked fine. It wasn't no forgeries, no fake anything. It, it all looked legit to me. You'd have the money if you stopped buying Richard Petty National Treasures autographs. <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I got to show you something else after we get off of here. <laughs> so I'll update you guys on an auction that we talked about a couple weeks ago. Remember the 6,700 boxes of food yeah. line? Still yep. available. <laughs> Price hasn't <laughs> dropped. Actually, I watched it uh, that night that we talked about it originally. And I think by the time I got up in the morning, I had gotten one of those you know, seller offers 10% off or whatever. I mean, so it took it to like $5,400, but still <laughs> hasn't moved. No, I'm afraid whoever's got those is going to sit on them for a while. They're going to gather some dust. I'm they like, you, if I had the money because I have a place to put them and sell them. But if I had <laughs> the money and the means to get them here, I would buy those in heartbeat and sell them for three or $4 a box and just, triple quadruple my money or whatever it is i think they would be an easy sell that you'd have forever and because i sell some stuff on the side at a consignment shop and i set stuff there that's like oh that'll sit for a year and it's gone in three weeks because it's just this random stuff that you don't see very often uh so i had the money i would buy it but you know not that i've always been the wisest with my money no, I'm with you. I'm a Richard Petty fan. If I had the money and the means and a place, like you said, a place to put it. Yep. Yeah, I'd consider it. So I have one other thing um, that's kind of interesting, and I have kept forgetting to bring it up. 
and you can correct me if I'm wrong and cut this out if need be, but wasn't the Prism Racing box that was on there for $800, wasn't that 2016? Yes. Okay, mm-hmm. so it's not, as far as I can tell, it's not listed anymore. Um, it is on the Still City website for seven ninety nine ninety five, um, but in browsing and looking around, so just for comparison, Still City sells the hobby box for eight hundred dollars. They sell the fat packs, you know, the retail cellos with the red, white, and blues. They sell one pack for thirty. And then they have a 12-pack lot of the cellos for $240. So you get a little bit of a discount from them if you buy, you know, in bulk. However, there's an eBay auction for a sealed fat pack box that sold for $96. So nowhere near what you know Still City has them for. Um, and I know we talked off and on about that $800 box and, you know, if it would move or not, because they're not out there, you know, they're not plentiful. Um, I can't based off of this retail box for 96, I can't see that hobby box moving for anywhere close to eight. I think it would have to be like three to four now. Yeah. There's actually one on eBay. Oh, is there? Uh, Yeah. It's, uh, it's, $499.95. $499.95. Oh, you're right. I saw that one. Yes. Even yeah. at that price, I think you got to go three or at least four. Yeah. If it, if it was two or three, I'd jump all over just to have it. I wouldn't because you can't open it at that price. Right. No. And, and try to even, you know, break even. So because I think we broke down the sell sheet a few weeks ago about 2016. And yeah. I thought you got more color than you did but you don't really get that much color so well and even the one that sold for 96 dollars, and granted it's a retail and people crap on retail sometimes you're you know it's a love hate thing but it got 21 bids i mean that's a strong number of bids and so 96 is definitely the fair market value with that many bids going into it it wasn't a buy it now that you know somebody jumped on for a low price this is this is fair market value yeah so those uh, fat packs, I think, have the red, white, and blues and camos in them. Yeah, they. Yeah, they. I know they got the red, white, and blues in there. And I thought, I thought the camos came in the blasters. Maybe. I, that's the only way. I've never opened any of the fat packs. I've only opened uh, blasters and a few hobby boxes. Yes, yeah, I'm looking at that now, Jason. Yeah, that was on December 23rd. That was, I think that was a good price. Whoever paid 96 bucks for that did, did, did well. Yeah. yeah Cause even that's below, honestly, that's below cost in the store. You're looking $96, 12 packs. It's like eight, something like that. Yeah. It is $8 a pack. So in the store, they were at least 10 in 2016. They were probably 9.99. So I think anytime you can get better than the retail price, you're doing well. Oh, absolutely. Especially for 2016. Yeah. Yeah, it's as tough as that stuff has become. Well, guys, we have anything else? We're almost uh, an hour and a half. <laughs> we thank everybody for sticking with it here. Hopefully, uh, you've learned a few things or we've been able to help answer some questions. So, But thanks to Panini America. And again, thanks for everybody for listening to 
and downloading the podcast. Please share and like the podcast. And for me and the guys, we will catch you next week. And we can talk about the first race there at the Bush Clash.